0: Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. It's Wednesday, September the 7th, and still no sign of Miles Sanderson. Basically the biggest manhunt in modern Canadian history happening right now in Saskatchewan and maybe the adjoining provinces of Alberta and Manitoba. Two things are kind of going along parallel lines, but they may intersect at one point. And I document some of that in our 6 a.m. top hour segment. Here it is. Let me start here. We're obviously all still compelled beyond the pale from what's happening in Saskatchewan. If you're waking up this morning, no is the answer. No one's found Miles Sanderson yet, alive or dead. He's a suspect in multiple fatal stabbings. More uh, stabbings. It's it's the, how would I put it, the most uh, documented stabbing massacre in Canadian history. And they thought for a while yesterday that Miles Sanderson might be Uh, back in James Smith Cree Nation. He isn't, and he's not in nearby towns as well. Uh, A lot kind of shifted around when it was deemed that he may have been in Regina on Sunday afternoon. Uh, RCMP uh, chief from Regina, Evan Bray, noted this, that a lot is mobilizing around looking for Miles Sanderson. I mean, clearly it is. And the strategy shifted from one in Regina, Saskatchewan's biggest city, on Sunday and some of Monday to going back to James Cree Nation. And now I feel like unless they're not saying it, they're kind of at a loss. They just have to keep spreading out as far and wide as they can. Here's Evan Bray yesterday evening. Oftentimes, it's not visible and easy work for you to spot. It doesn't mean extra uniformed police officers in patrol cars. While that is part of it, a lot of it has to do with specialized investigative units, tech crime investigators, and other specialized plainclothes investigators and analysts that are working to try and put pieces together that can help us solve this situation as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that you'll see everything and hear of everything that the RCMP are doing There'll be a lot of planes closed, uh, men and women, a lot of undercover work, uh, blazing police cars with sirens and uh, and flashing lights down every street, probably isn't going to flush Miles Sanderson out. He could also be dead. We have to consider that either he ran into the wrong place at the wrong time or he took his own life. All those things are things to consider when we heard he was in Regina, potentially for on Sunday afternoon. And by the way, that's when the uh, the Rough Riders actually had a game in Regina. Like I if you've been to Regina for a Saskatchewan Rough Riders game, I haven't. But even talking to people yesterday, the city stops. Nobody's doing anything else. There's only nine of those home games a year. And thirty-two thousand people in Regina are at that stadium, and thousands more are in the vicinity. Just maybe, just maybe, he thought he could sort of blend in. It's a city of two hundred twenty-eight thousand people. So when twenty-five, thirty percent of the people are ensconced in the Green Riders, uh, can he get somewhere and hide out somewhere in the biggest city in, in the biggest city in uh, in in that province? I mean, look, Paul Bernardo was eventually found in the GTA, hiding in plain sight. This is different. I'm well aware of that. But it's one of those scenarios where you just don't know. Yesterday on the show, we had Lenny DePaul on, who's a former U.S. Marshal and a U.S. Secret Service agent. He said in a big city, even if a Sanderson is to travel to Winnipeg or go west and go to Edmonton or Calgary or heaven forbid, end up eventually in Ontario. uh, That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for him. It's a lot of work for authorities. Well, absolutely right. I mean, the city, you know, would be in a lockdown. I mean, you're you're talking about, uh, you know, the public. Like I said, has to remain vigilant, but they also. Uh, you know they're looking themselves i mean they have mm. to they have to be careful with this guy if they do see him you know you, you, you want to call 911 i mean the dc sniper social media you guys are doing a great job i mm. mean social media is fired up his photos plastered everywhere so people are 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 going to you know they're looking for him uh as well and i think the public is going to come into play here um you know with respect to how this guy is going to get captured Lenny DePaul was a great guest on yesterday's uh, edition of Toronto Today. Here's two things I'm seeing intersect, though. And I know they're going to make some people uncomfortable to talk about the intersection. And I don't think you have to choose one or the other. But the one I'd say we've got time to talk about in the future, and the other one shouldn't even be brought up right now. So let me go to the first, and that's reframing how we utilize parole in this country. I think that's a conversation for after we catch Miles Sanderson and after he's brought to justice and after a multitude of murder charges are filed against him. His brother's already dead. We don't know the involvement of him in those particular stabbings, but it it, it looks like he was involved. And whether a dispute happened a little later on or whether he felt coerced, I'm not terribly concerned about right now. It's, it's get people feeling more safe in their community. And the only way that happens is is to apprehend Miles Sanderson or find his body, one or the other. So, look, there's. I saw that Marco Mendicino um, from the uh, Liberal Cabinet says they're going to investigate how a Parole Board of Canada decision found Miles Sanderson would, quote, not present an undue risk. Look, if this is, it's everything's about opportunity cost. If this is the case that makes the Parole Board of Canada examine a lot more than just miles sanderson and who gets parole and who doesn't and i'm gonna double down and say and who gets a hearing and who doesn't it's an atrocity paul bernardo gets a hearing every couple years it's an atrocity that convicted pedophiles get hearings every couple years for heinous crimes we let graham james out of jail after what three years in this country like like that's a stain against our system of justice so we're going to examine how uh, somebody that had a 20-year run of convictions, and they'll add up over time. I, I mean, there's no he had 59 criminal convictions from the age of 18 through 31. He assaulted a cop. He uttered threats against a cop. He uttered threats against an ex-girlfriend. Um, he put children in jeopardy. I don't know what the charges should, and he stopped going to parole in February of this year parole couldn't parole. He stopped reporting to the parole officers and they couldn't find him. You'd be fair to ask, how hard did they look, Greg, for five months? I don't have an answer to that, but I'd like to get them. I'd like to get some. And I think people in Saskatchewan need them. And I think victims' families certainly need them. So there will be a time for that. Here's the other thing that's going to be a lot more time for that I have no time for discussing right now. None. And I would be a big advocate for it, 364 other days of the year but not well not 364 but not today not yesterday and not until this is a little less fresh and painful and that's intergenerational trauma i understand what uh, indigenous people in this country have been through all you can do is listen i often say i can't say i know how you feel because i don't but i can listen and i'm well aware that that there's more than enough examples of domestic violence, alcohol and drug addiction, child abuse, neglect. Um, there's, there's tons of trauma people relate to. We have often used the phrase uh, words are violence. Well, they're not violence is violence. I often hear people say, I'm triggered. Let's put you into, let's parachute you into an internet intergenerational trauma scenario and you tell me what triggered really is. How, what is it to me? It's unresolved. It's complicated. It creates depersonalization. But I often say, are you giving me an explanation or are you giving me an excuse? And I don't want an excuse right now for this. I don't want a discussion about this. This is not a Pandora's box you can open right now. I don't care to make sense of these mass killings. I care to get the guy. And I don't care to understand the role of intergenerational trauma. With, with this particular alleged psychopath. So I have no time, no time right now for worrying about Miles Sanderson's trauma. I'm thinking about the trauma created in his community on the weekend. I'm thinking of a traumatized individual who has sadistically taken his trauma out on others. We can put that away for another day. Okay, we can honestly wait on this. We got somebody on the run. He's, an, he's a notorious criminal, and he is a threat to every single person he'd come across. That's all I know, and I think that's all anyone needs to know, regardless of his, his history of abuse or violence or when he started snorting cocaine, which, by the way, was age 14, as a coping mechanism. I don't care about that stuff right now. I will at some point in time. I'm not, not caring about it, but it's not the time right now.